it is definitely my pleasure to, to be here. Alan and Michelle have been, been dear friends. Uh, we'll, we'll walk through this, just a little, little introduction uh, for those of you that may know or may not know, or a little update. Uh, this is when I got hired, they had uh, bare land and uh, uh, got, got hired at the prison. And so this is where the program will start. Now our, our training program was inside the, the prison so that we could, uh, we could work with higher class of inmates. This is where the holding facility was. And uh, we had, uh, uh, I think I can, there we go. Um, so the next slide you'll see, the, it's the same shot, just about, we, we maxed out at about 1,000 horses. So we'd go through and pick out horses for the training, go to the next one. Uh, and so these are some of the things I started telling the guys, you know, when you, when you get a horse, especially a wild horse, uh, they, they take that first step towards you. I was like, that's huge. You guys need to stop right there and, and, and just let that horse know it did something right. Because the smallest step can be the biggest step of your life. And so tell them, you know, the, the, sometimes the next step you take is the biggest step of your life if you're stepping in the right direction. And this is another thing that I used to say, it's better to ride alone than run with the wrong herd. <clears throat> the way that started, I had an inmate uh, got out and he contacted me on Facebook and I looked at, at see, I'll go ahead and hold that right there. Uh, uh, he, he uh, uh, contacted me on Facebook, and I looked, I thought, man, he's, he's hanging, going around with some of his old friends. So I sent him a, just a note, and I said, I wanted to just, you know, good to hear from you, and, and uh, the, the last horse you trained is doing great. The people who adopted that horse loved the horse. And, uh, you know, just look at what, the, what happened from a wild horse to a horse that you're riding and somebody else has, and they love it. And imagine if we had taken that same horse rather than go to an adopter that was going to take it to the next level, if we just turned it back to the old herd for a little while, what would have happened? Within a few months, a horse would have reverted back to old behavior. Didn't hear from him for like a couple of weeks. I thought, <laughs> oh, man. And then I get this note. He said... Mr. Helm, I want to let you know I quit hanging out with my old friends. <clears throat> and and uh, a lot of these guys I'm still, and this guy, I'm, a lot of these guys I'm still very, very close to. Um, one of the things that happens in the program, it's a government program, so it's a federally funded, run by the state inside a prison. And one of the things that happens is uh, we interact with, with politics, a lot of politics involved. And <clears throat> so... Recently, I was invited to Washington, D.C. to work with the Congress and Senate in closed chambers, very secret. The next, uh, uh, next one will actually show uh, that, that meeting. So <laughs> this, uh, this is, uh, you can recognize some, some, of the, uh, some of the congressmen there. Uh, no, we also, we also work with wild donkeys. I, I, uh, and so the nec next, uh, next one, Will be the, the. This is early on in the program. This is some of the, some of the guys and and one of the horses. That horse actually was a horse we trained for the for border patrol. And the next one, we're about wrapped up here. This is uh, some of the guys on horseback as the, as the program continued to grow. The next. Uh, Next slide, uh, a lot of documentaries. They made me look better than I, than I am. Uh, and uh, USA Today, that hit like three million just on Facebook. Uh, that was uh, um, NBC Nightly News. Uh, ABC did the first one, Fox News. Uh, uh, go ahead and, and uh, this, this uh, won a number of awards. I, I called the producer that did this one. and. Uh, 
uh, I said, man, I said, I got a, I, I got a little complaint with the, with the documentary. He goes, what's that? I said, well, I said, you made me look a lot better than I am, and now I have to try my best to live up to your height. <laughs> so he said, well, I need to just remind you that we are the media. We could have made you look a lot worse than you are. I said, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll take the a lot best, so, or better. So the, uh, I've had uh, Starbuck, my, my main clinic horse, uh, inside every yard on, on the prison, including the death row supermax yard. Uh, and uh, you just get in there, you got this sea of orange around you. And in that environment, I can really talk about the gospel. My job, uh, I just re retired recently. My job, uh, you really can't ethically, and, and I think I really uh, go out and evangelize. But what I found is it's almost better that way because they watch your life, and then they'll start asking questions. Then I can answer questions, but on the yard with the chaplaincy, uh, had one of the one of the administration in the prison sent me a email and said uh, you know talked about doing cowboy church on the uh, on the prison grounds said I the word church can be so divisive I would appreciate it if you just did something maybe call it philosophies from a cowboy <laughs> so, the church so I just sent a nice I said well thank you for your response. Uh, when I am doing cowboy church, I am supporting our institutional chaplains who invite me on the yard, and they call it cowboy church. I never heard anything back from them, but it just, it gets kind of ridiculous. So I think that, uh, and another thing is Country Thunder. Uh, I mentioned Country Thunder. Country Thunder.
Daniel and Revelation, they would show up, and they had this huge uh, chart of eschatological events starting, you know, and, and so I thought, man, once the rapture hits, those guys are going to be busy redoing their chart, because I don't think we, we got it figured out. But, but what we do know is that if you look at Scripture, things are, are certainly, certainly winding down. Things we couldn't imagine years back have now become a definite reality. Francis Schaeffer uh, had a series uh, 44 years ago entitled, How Shall We Now Live? And he was talking about cultural issues. And some of that, you look at it today, and it was pretty much prophetic, what he was seeing, that you go, no, nah, I, can't, I can't imagine, can't imagine that. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, if you're familiar with, with philosophy, uh, Nietzsche, I think born in 1866 or something, but so, so uh, Nietzsche had a, a short piece, and, and, and Nietzsche was, was an avowed atheist um, at, at humanist at best, but more of an atheist, and, uh, but he, he really was a, a, a brilliant, disturbed person. That's really how I would describe him. Um, and, and he wrote this short piece called The Madman. And he, he said, have, have, you, have you not heard of the madman who lit a lantern in broad daylight and burst onto the scene in a public square and said, where is God? Where is God? As he looked around, people started getting uncomfortable. He said, I'll tell you where he is. We have killed him, you and I. God is dead. And as as his story of the madman uh, continues, he he starts talking about, he said, what does that mean for us? What sponge is large enough to wipe away the, the blood off of our hands for what we have done? He said, can't you feel it even now that the world is getting colder, we're drifting further from the sun? He said, if, if, if indeed God is dead, then can't you hear the grave diggers digging the grave? Can't you smell the decomposing of God's? God's decomposed too, you know. And what are the churches, if not sepulchers, tombs? He said, God is dead, and we have killed him. And it became, and that became kind of his feeling. Something had to do with the politics of his day and, 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 and a lot to do with his view on, on religion. The, a story came out in 1966 in Time magazine, and, and it was God is dead. And it, and it was really referencing Nietzsche and, and, and some of the, the work. Somebody asked Billy Graham when it came out. They said, what do you think of the story? And Time Magazine said, God is dead. Billy Graham said, he couldn't be dead. I, I talked to him this morning. <laughs> I thought that was just a great, great response. But, that's, but he just very simply said, I, 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 I talked to him this morning. He, he couldn't be dead. Um, Francis Schaeffer, in his series uh, on how shall we now live, he 
says, let me just quote a, a, a couple of things. He, he, he says that, that, and he was talking about empires that had declined, that were once spiritual or once powerful, that had declined into what he called insignificance. He looked at the rise of humanism, socialism, and communism, and all three depended on the removal of God. I mean, depended on it. They had to have, if, if God was part of the picture, they, they couldn't exist. Schaefer says this, he predicted a future where America would be controlled by media and high-tech corporations. That was his words. A nation that would be forced into hearing only one voice. A nation that would be controlled by elites and liberal educational institutions with an anti-God agenda and socialistic message. Reading that 44 years later, and back then you think, oh, there's, that's, that's unbelievable that that could happen in, in only 44 years. We are, we're now living in that. How should we now live? Let me submit to you that the, the, the church or Christianity is not a 501c3 nonprofit social organization or a 501c3 religious organization. It is a movement that embodies the very person of Jesus, bringing Jesus into a lost and hurting world, not just as some abstract representative, but as Jesus, an extension of Jesus himself. And, and so, so what happens is we reduce the church to, to a social organization, and we've really lost the significance of what, what Jesus calls us to, to do. So we, we should live with a, a biblical worldview, uh, absolute faith in Christ. He's the author, the Bible says, and what? And, and, and the finisher. Nothing external should ever change that. So, so when we think of how should we now live, the, the, the church exists as the, the body of Christ, not just to tell people, but to, but to be his, his hands and his feet extended. Our battle is to not champion church doctrine. I hear people periodically say, you know, we really need to defend our and, and our denomination, or uh, our, our denominational heritage, I've never really considered that to be a calling to 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 champion a denominational heritage. But the calling is to stand for for biblical principles, the person of Christ, what He's doing, and hopefully that aligns with my denominational principles. And and generally speaking, it does. Otherwise, I would be in in uh, another denomination. The, and and so, so what we'll do is say, man, the, the world would be a better place if only the, if the liberal media would catch on and start really all the fake news. And we, if that would, boy, we would, we'd be, if, if, if we could have politicians that were really on board, are all those things somewhat true? Yes, but here's what the Bible says. He doesn't say, if, if your media gets in line, things will be good, or if politicians. He said, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways, I will heal their land. He says, church, 
It is you that needs to take responsibility for the world that I've placed you in. And all those other things happen, uh, man, that'd be great. But the, the church can thrive. The Bible wasn't written in a governmental system where they had uh, freedom of religion and, and freedom of speech and all those things. The Bible was written in the midst of persecution. And he says things that if you look at it in the context of that, you say, man, that should speak volumes to us who have some freedoms. If my people who are called by my name, regardless of what the church does, the world is going to deteriorate. I know that's this. It'll get, it'll get more encouraging, I hope. So, okay, but in other words, the Bible says that. He said in the last days there will be a falling away. In the last, in, in, and you really look at some of those things. Um, he, he's, he's saying, you do what you're called to do, and I'll take care of culture and society and the the world but we, we're not always we shouldn't always be reacting to the world I think we should be aware I, I'm I, I admit I'm like a news junkie kind of guy I, you know I turn on the news and watch and then then I'll turn on the liberal news just so I can get mad and go back to the other one and I, you know <laughs> um, what's the parallel universe thinking and and uh, um, but we the truth is we live in a in a, a fallen world. Um, here's, here's what the, in, in Matthew 24, 37 through 39, it says, as in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days uh, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. In other words, going through Life as though everything is fine, just another day is what was happening then, and that's what's happening now. Friedrich Nietzsche, who boldly proclaimed that God is dead in his latter years, he was institutionalized as mentally ill. He died sick in body and sick in mind, yet the world culture will still quote him vehemently as kind of an authority on culture. How should we now live? Well, we should all buy as many guns and as much ammo as we can. Uh, buy, get, get someplace remote off the grid. Build the wall, bury some buses. Invest in gold or something else and... Um, some of those things are fine, maybe, you know, uh, but the reality is we, we're not to be reacting to the world. We're to be saying, God, how do you call me to live regarding who I am? And we can kind of do a lot of things that seem like we're, we're doing stuff. I, I have too many guns, and I, I have a place that's it's not off the grid, though. It's, it's uh, up in the hills a little bit. Haven't built a wall, buried buses, or called it a compound, so just to let you know. Um, the, the, the Bible calls us to maintain a biblical viewpoint, which is love God, love people. Do everything you can to leave this world a better 
place. It, it, it is not reacting to, to everything that's happening, but I think it's also being, it is being aware. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I, I was thirsty and you gave me water. I was hungry and you fed me. He said, well, when did we ever see you thirsty or hungry? He said, when you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. That's part of the calling of the church is to be Jesus' hands extended. And he said, when you've done unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Love God and love people. Pablo Picasso, who was not a theologian at all, said the, the meaning of life is to discover your gift. The purpose is to give it away. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose is to give it away. If we focus on those, the, the, the simpler foundational things, we're a lot better off. Uh, what I have to ask is just a fundamental question in living with a biblical worldview, and that is, did, did I create God or did God create me? If God created me, everything changed. If I'm creating God as I go and kind of picking and choosing what I want to believe, then I'm, I'm on this roller coaster. When, 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 I, when I, I work with training horses, and I'm a certified trainer with, with John Lyons, I've been certified with him for a, a, a number of years, and so that's kind of that round pen thing, and a lot of different, some really good training methods, that, but um, John's is one that, you know, that I, that really works for me. But so, so you're, you're, you're working with a horse, and what I'm trying to do is, is change that horse's thinking. The horse wants to get away from me, and I want that horse, every time the horse does what I want to do, I take the pressure off, and the horse has peace. It's really, horses are looking for the same thing we are. But what I'm really focusing on or, or looking for with, with uh, uh, this idea of, of a horse, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting the horse to start, I don't know how to, other than, rather than believe in me, when, when I'm in that round pen, that horse believes in me. But I want the horse to move from that to believing me. And the only way that I know if a horse believes me is the horse when the horse starts responding to cues and doing certain things. A huge difference. Most people believe in God. Very few believe him. God says this, therefore, I'm doing it. Well, I don't really want to do that. So we kind of pick and choose. Well, maybe God's not serious about that because I really don't want to do it. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I, I've never had, I don't get audible voices, but... Um, you, I've never sensed God saying, Randy, just let me know what would make you happy. I want to do that for you today. <laughs> says, We're going to restructure stuff here in heaven. And, uh, or angels saying, oh, Randy's unhappy. Well, let's change things. Uh, it's, and a matter of fact, sometimes I've been unhappy, and I think God was happy that I was unhappy. So uh, th there are times I'll tell people in training horses, uh, I, I have people say, you know, I, I just want my horse to be happy. I want my horse to love me. Well, I want my horse to, to do those things too, but I really more than anything else want my horse to do what I tell him to do and him respond to cues. If I were to say, you know, uh, my, my horse, sometimes he just doesn't want to stop and I don't want to really, you know, insist. And I, so I want him to be happy. So I just kind of ride it out and after a while he gets, so, well, if I'm heading for a cliff and I say, this horse stops half the time <laughs> and he's running, I'm thinking, yeah, this, this probably isn't going to go well. And I'm being aerovac out of there and I'd look at the paramedic and say, 
my horse is happy though. Uh, or, or, you know, my horse really loves me. Uh, if I were to tell you I, I, I've got a horse uh, that, that I, I, I want to sell you, he, he, probably 60% of the time he's not even going to kick you. And, and 40% of the time he's not going to buck. You're going to say, well, I don't want that horse. Why? Because what we, what we want to do is have a standard that we measure. The same thing in, in living life with a biblical worldview. It, it is not just believing in God, it is, it is believing God. It, and this is nothing new. In the Garden of Eden, what, what, what did Satan say? Did God really say that, that tree? Yeah, you got the, yeah, but did God really, is that really what he meant? And did you hear that uh, when years later, Adam and, and one of his sons are walking by the Garden of Eden. There's an angel there with a flaming sword. And uh, he said, what, 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 what's that? He says, well, son, that's where your mother ate us out of house and home. So anyway, that's <laughs> bad joke. Okay, I'll get to. Um, but in the garden, he said, uh, did, did, God, did God really, really say that? Satan comes to Jesus and says, if you throw yourself off the pinnacle, uh, angels will bury you up lest you dash, yourself, dash your foot against a stone. He quoted a scripture. What Satan said is the same thing he's saying today is, it, it, this is not really consistent with the whole Bible, but I found a scripture that I can use to prove my point, and people do that still today. Say, so, well, I know that, but, you know, I, I, I know I, sh- I shouldn't be doing this, but the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's, that's not really, maybe it doesn't mean you can do anything you want anyway. So, but it, we, have, we have kind of the, kind of the same thing. God wants, if, if I'm happy, I've actually heard people say, if I'm happy, God's happy. <laughs> he will give me the desires of my heart, so anything I desire must be from God. Um, God made me the way I am, and, uh, or what, what I call hallmark theology, just what does your heart, what does your heart tell you? Yeah. Well, you know, the Hallmark movies, it's, well, just follow your heart. The uh, Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked, uh, you know, and so um, we never have to adjust the Bible to fit current situations. How should we live? Biblical worldview is not always easy. Bless those who persecute you. That's not easy. Love everyone. Love everyone. That's not easy. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Over and over, we, we find these things in, in the Bible where you, you forgive, love. I, I've thought, and I, I know I'm, I'm not sanctified yet. I'm, I'm still working on it. But, you know, there are some people, it would be so much easier to forgive them if I were hovering over their hospital bed when they're, you know, <laughs> saying, okay, now, now, I, now I forgive you, I, you know. Uh, uh, but when they're doing well, say, that's my issue. I'm still working on it, you know. You're to be his hands extended. So the second thing is live an intentional life. Uh, an intentional life, surrender to God, gives us purpose, meaning. Uh, life surrendered to God draws a line in the 
in the sand. The German theologian Friedrich, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, Fr uh, the German theologian, I've had Nietzsche on my mind, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer would never forgive me for that statement. So, um, so Bonhoeffer, when, when the, the rise of, of Hitler, and, and, and he was part of the church, uh, um, and he said they, they drew the line in the sand too late. But by, by, by then, there was already a momentum. Where do you draw the line in the sand? Because he said, you know, when, when they started rounding up the Jews, they thought, well, that's not right. We don't agree with that. You know, and and uh, he said, at some point, we just, you're looking back, we, had to, we should have drawn the line sooner. Um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was, was uh, executed in prison for uh, preaching the gospel and for opposing Hitler. Uh, and... Uh, uh, ended up his some of his books have had a dramatic effect, especially with what happened. The cost of discipleship he wrote, obviously, um, when he was wrestling with some of those those things. A life uh, surrendered to God is a life that that draws a line in the sand. Don't let the things of this world bring you down. Continue to live the life that God gave you. Continue doing what you should have been doing all along. That's really the essence of how should we now live. Continue doing what you should have been doing all along. Live a life fulfilling the Great Commission. So Jesus says this. He said, all power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He's teaching them, uh, baptizing them, uh, teaching them to deserve all things. We too often think of the, of the so I'm going to handle this carefully because I don't want you to hear, hear something that I'm not saying. We think of the Great Commission as a mandate to invite people to church. And the Great Commission is a mandate to to be Christ in the community, the church becomes a place where a safe place for us to get healed, restored, encouraged, taught, so that outside the church we can accomplish unbelievable things. So is it both? Yes. But but the church is a place where where we're to be instructed and and and. We're, we're to have iron sharpens iron, and, and all those things should be happening in this safe environment. If, if, if I were to have um, uh, a, a wild horse to be a good example, and if I were to say, I've got this, this wild horse, I don't know what to do with him. Well, if you can get that horse to the barn, he'll be fine. It's the same thing as getting a lost person. If you can get them to church, they'll be fine. No, if you can get them to church, they'll, they'll be in a, an environment where they have an opportunity to become something that they're not, but it, it, it's, it's not just getting them to a physical place. So do we invite people to church? Absolutely. But do we become uh, his hands extended? Uh, and, and whether or not the pastor's there or not, you say, I, I, believe, I believe Jesus can heal you. I believe he can set you free. I, I, I'm, I'm not the best prayer in the world, but do you mind if I pray with you? Um, I don't know a lot about the, the Bible. I, I can't quote a lot of scriptures, but I, I, I do know that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved, and I, I, I do know that. 
And so to be his hands extended and to be in the world and be a part of the redemptive aspect in the world is really what he called us to do. <clears throat> I was working. I got a really quick uh, little, so I, I was in Bible college. What, what years were you there? What that? 78, 79. So I was there uh, 77, 78. And I, I, I got mad at, at ministry and mad at preachers. And mad, I just got disillusioned. I, 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 so I, I remember where I was in Fort Worth. I said, if this is the ministry, I don't want to be in it. It was all about money and egos and, and stuff, just, just all the money stuff. It was mainly, it just started driving me crazy. And so I thought, I'm, I'm going to leave. So I went back into law enforcement. I had military law enforcement, went back in law enforcement. I go to work for Arlington Police Department. My lieutenant... Uh, said, Randy, would you consider going deep undercover? Because I was new to the area and had law enforcement background. He said, would you mind going, would you consider going deep undercover out of the academy? So I went deep undercover. Now, I left the ministry because I decided preachers were fake. And I, I looked in the mirror. I was working undercover. Uh, crystal meth was a new, kind of a new drug then, and not kind of it was. I looked in the mirror. I, I had long hair. I had a beard. had an earring. had these little John Lennon glasses. I, I, I didn't recognize myself. In and I I thought, man, I left the ministry because I thought they were fake. I, I have a fake name, fake driver's license, fake address, fake story. Everything about me was fake. And that was really where God started to kind of get my attention. He said, I'll let you wander around here, but you, you know. Um, and then I, then I went patrol, and I really, uh, when I was working patrol, <clears throat> is really where I just saw God really do some amazing things just because you're in an environment where there's great need. Uh, I had, uh, we had a, a motorcycle car head-on. This is probably in 1979 or, or, or 80. And, and uh, so, so there was a two-man, happened to be a two-man unit because we were short on vehicles. And so a citizen flagged us down before cell phones. So there's a wreck. So we were probably 15, 20 seconds away. I mean, we got up there, calling the ambulance. I get there, and, the, and the, the guy didn't have a helmet on, head on into a car. He went into the windshield and flipped over and was on the curb. So I, I get over to him, and, and he's non-responsive. So I, I went to, to stabilize his head, uh, and I had my hands under, under his head, and he had severe head wounds. So I mean, just blood going everywhere, and, and, and I uh, had somebody come up to the right, and, and they said uh, he's, he was twitching some. They said, he's, he's dying, he's dying. I said, yeah, he's dying. And as soon as I said that, I thought, and the, the Bible says they will lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. I, I have my hands on him. It doesn't hurt anything to pray. And so I just started saying, God, if you, and almost immediately he gasped for air. He breathed until the, the ambulance, I could hear the ambulance coming, the ambulance got there, and, uh, and then, then they had to get him oxygen, and, and uh, he started convulsing again. Get to the hospital, and uh, when I walked in the hospital, the nurse said, he's, he's really going downhill. He's not going to make it. We're transferring him to county. I went, and there was a big cowboy guy standing out in the, in the lobby, and the nurse, I said, family here, and pointed out his dad. Walked up to his dad, 
And uh, don't know why I said it. So I, I told him who I was, and he says, it, it doesn't, doesn't look good. The boy's name was Mark. It doesn't look good for Mark. I said, no, it doesn't, but let's you and I believe different. Now, I didn't know anything about who, who this guy was, or, you know, but that's just kind of where I was at that point. I said, no, it, it doesn't, but let's you and I believe different. He just broke and started crying. He said this. He said, Mark's been running from God for a long time, and God called him into ministry. So we stood, at that point, I, you know, we, we, I said, man, let's pray. We, we just stood there in the, in the lobby. I was in uniform, uh, and we, we prayed. They transferred him to county, and um, mainly because of insurance. Those of you in the medical, they, they didn't want him to die at, at, at uh, the hospital there. That's really why. I called over to county when I got off work, and the nurse said, hey, he's really remarkable turn for the better. He's got a concussion, but we're, we're convinced he's going to pull through. Uh, so I, I was able to, to hear him share his testimony six months later. <clears throat> but I, I, I remember thinking, uh, God, sometimes, you know, we, we think we have to have all this stuff in place. And the reality is, in the middle of a crisis, Jesus can show up. Another thing that happened there that's really interesting, a guy, when I started praying, I looked over and there's a guy that kneeled down beside me because said, can I pray? I said, absolutely. We prayed. I looked around. I couldn't. I had no idea where that guy came from, where he went. And he just, you know, he's suddenly gone. I don't want to overdo it. It could have just been somebody coming up. But I, I thought, it, if nothing else, it's encouraging to have somebody say, you know what, I want to pray with you. How should we now live as an extension of Jesus? Yes. As, as culture changes, we don't say, well, I guess I've, I've, I've got to change. I was driving down, I, I would, uh, I, when I started pastoring uh, on uh, Saturday night, I would, I would go and I would pray. Uh, I would find some place to pray. There was a baseball field there with the lights out. I would walk, I, I, I walk and pray. And... Uh, this time, I'm on the freeway. I'm heading up uh, on Interstate 20, and there was, uh, there was a, a bar off to the left. The parking lot was pretty full, and I felt impressed to go in that bar. Otherwise, that's just, that's just me. I rebuke that, that uh, <laughs> devil trying to get me to go into a bar. <clears throat> so then... Again, I thought, so I thought, well, I just pulled over, pulled over in the parking lot. So, so I thought, well, I, then I'm thinking, well, if I go in, I don't know why I'm going in, and what if somebody sees me? That's, you know, I, I'm a preacher. If somebody sees me in there on a Saturday night, man, I mean, it, it's, so, that, so I, well, I, I walk up. So I thought, well, I don't drink, and I don't want to have caffeine, because I want to go to sleep when I get home. So I get in and said, what do you, what do you want? I said, I'll just have a Sprite. And I look around, such a sprite down, I look around on the dance floor, and there's a guy that was, was periodically would attend my church with his, with his family. He's dancing with some woman. So I thought, well, that's probably why I'm here, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> so the, dance, the band finishes, and he walks, over to, walks right over to me, uh, right beside me, and he hadn't recognized me yet. He looks up. He staggered over to me, so to walk, say walk, was not really accurate. And he's kind of glassy-eyed. He said, man, I don't want to see you. And he turned around and walked back to his table. Then I'm thinking, okay, now I really don't know why I'm here. <laughs> and he's probably going to go home and tell his wife. The pastor was uh, at the bar. So then he says, uh, 
come, can you come over here? I want you to meet my brother. Well, when I got there, he said, I want you to meet my brother. There's a few people at the table and met, met his brother, and we talked for a minute. Nobody asked me why I was at the bar. N nobody. And so talked to his brother. His brother said, I'd like to call you. I said, absolutely. And so we got, I gave him my number, and, and uh, a couple of days later, I get a call, and he said, man, he said, I'm, I'm just backslidden. He said, I used to be in church. He said, I'm an alcoholic. He said, I, I, I know I've got to change my life. He said, I need to get my life back with God. And would, would you, would you be willing to pray with me? And I said, oh, I, I sure would. And, and so I'm thinking, well, that's why I was really there. But a week later, <clears throat> his brother, the guy that I recognized in the bar called me. He said, you remember my brother that you met in the bar? I said, yeah. He said, well, he died in a car wreck last night. And it just, I, I thought, man, I am so concerned about what other people think. I'm so concerned about this and that, and should I do this, rather than say, God, I don't know why, but I think you're saying this. And you know, the reality is, if I had walked in and looked around and said, I don't know, you know, drank a Sprite and went home, so I don't know what that was all, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. I would rather take that chance than to miss an opportunity to be his hand extended. There was a, a song that, that came out on the radio, and I didn't like it when I first heard it. And I do stuff in the middle of Country Thunder and all that. I said, um, if I could have a beer with Jesus. I thought, I don't like, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> and one day I thought, well, I'm going to listen to the song. Because I'm, you know, because I'm, I, you know, <laughs> Anyway, I was going to say, I, I, I can be good at, at being judgmental and critical. You know, something, even though that, that, that's not right. That, you know. So I listened. So if I could have a beer with Jesus, he didn't say, Jesus drinking with me. He said, if I could have a beer with Jesus, I'd find a place in the bar that was away from everybody else, that was quiet, and I would ask him why he died to save a sinner like me. And when I heard that, I thought, I think Jesus would go into a bar and sit down with somebody and, and bring them into redemption and grace. Does that mean that we, so after, after that incident, I didn't go bar hopping on Saturday night. That's the only time that happened, I promise. <laughs> but but it, it changed, it was a shift in kind of how I perceived things in, in the world, uh, Jesus comes uh, to this well. There was a, 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 a woman comes up. The disciples had gone off. A woman comes up. She's a Samaritan. Here's what he didn't do. He didn't say, man, I've been, I've been waiting for you. You're a mess. You, matter of fact, you, you've, been, you've been married five times. You're living with a guy. Your, your life's a mess. And I want to tell you, I'm Messiah. I'm here to fix things. Here's what Jesus did. He said, uh, I'd like a, a, a drink of water. He found something that both of them had common ground on. She said, why are you asking me for a drink of water? I'm Samaritan. You're, 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 you're Jewish. And He said, if you, if you knew who it was you're talking to, you'd be asking me for a drink of water because I have water that will, yeah. you'll never thirst again. She goes, oh, I, I'd like to have that, that water. So the subject suddenly changed to her, her need and she, uh, she said, you don't have anything to draw with. He said, are you greater than, than our father Jacob, who this is Jacob's well? And the conversation shifted. And he said, uh, 
Uh, she said, I'd, I'd, I'd like that water. He said, go, go and call your husband. She goes, I don't, I, I don't have a husband. Uh, he said, I know. You've been married five times. He didn't say, oh, boy, I nailed you. He said, I, I, I know. You've been married five times, and you're, you're living with somebody. She said, I, I, I think you might be a prophet. She said, I, I perceive you're a prophet. And she said, I know Messiah's coming. Uh, and and I, you guys say that on this mountain you worship. And we, we, so she all, immediately, once it became spiritual, she immediately decided, you know, I, I think we, we, don't, we don't agree. Jesus said, you know, bottom line, all that doesn't matter. There's going to come a time when those who worship God worship in the spirit and truth anyway and just went somewhere else. So you look at that as far as being his hand extended. We're not there to correct the world. We're there to engage the world and find common ground of where people live and, the pe- and people need and say, let's start, let's start there. We both drink water. Let's just start there. Pretty simple. Rather than, I, I'm not opposed to tracks and, and, and uh, witnessing programs, but anything that is just a program is going to come across as a program. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Now, people reading that say, you, yeah, you're right, you did. And we, and we, got, a, we got a policy. When, when Alan and I were in, in college, we had a Christian conduct card we had to sign. And we, we, had, we couldn't have playing cards. We couldn't have... We couldn't go to movies, but there was a, the last one was, I will abstain from worldliness in all its forms. <laughs> well, that's kind of a catch-all, you know? <laughs> they, so we, it, it, what happened is all the students signed it, and then the next week they sinned because they violated it, you know, but, except for me. I, I you know, just to let you know. Um, so here's, here's what Paul says. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with immoral people of this world. Well, if there ain't none in the church, well, maybe he's saying there are. Maybe he's saying if you've got a weakness and you kind of start hanging around with somebody in the church that's got the same weakness, he said, don't do that. He's saying, but he said, I'm not saying don't associate or connect with immoral people in the world, he said, because to do that, you'd have to be out of the world and you're in the world. He's saying, don't compromise this thing and start having your own little club within the church. But he said, engage with the world. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, the, the, the same writer says, come up among them and be separate, says the Lord, touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you. So he, he's saying, here's, the, here's the, the reality with how shall we now live. It has more to do with ethics, integrity, and character than it does theology. It has to do with all of it. We, we get the theology down. We say, God, help me to be accountable in how I live and where I am and what I do and what I say. The reality is the call to change the world is, is, is not easy. 
um, making a significant change in the world can't be reduced to a, a system. We have to go before God and say, God, would you help me today to, to be light and salt? Yes. And if you don't get it down that day, wake up the next day and say, God, I didn't get it nailed yesterday. God, would you help me today? Yeah. Um, I've got my 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 horse. Uh, I was uh, doing a. It was at at a. It wasn't a country thunder. It was at another outdoor concert event. I was doing cowboy church, and I had a, a, a teeter totter bridge that he went over, and and it was a new one I had built for that. It was a little more narrow, and he gets on it, and he slipped and fell with with me on him, and and I kind of gave him a little bit of time. He wiggled free and got back up, and uh, we went back over the obstacle. But it, it became the, the, the best part of, I think, the message. Some of those accidental things become the best part. Because I said, you know, this is the first time he's ever fallen at an, at, at an event or on a teeter-totter bridge. But the reality is sometimes we think, boy, if I ever fall, I'm disqualified. If I, all we do is say, you know what? That didn't work out well. That kind of hurt. But let's go back and, and help you get it right. That's really pursuing God. Yeah. Say, saying, God, God I, man, I, I messed up yesterday. I messed up. Last. I, I, God, I, I am so ashamed of myself, or I, I, I am so frustrated. I'm so disappointed. And God say, let's, let's get, get, get a little stronger work on that, because we're going to try that again, and we're going to overcome that. Say, so, well, you mean, uh, uh, Alan, I don't know if you remember this. We, we were in a, in a restaurant, went to Applebee's, and the waitress came to, comes over. She said, we were both preachers, but I didn't tell her I was. And so the waitress comes over, and she said, Would you guys want happy hour? You want to drink? So I said, no, well, whatever we got. And so she comes over again and said, really, Sue, we got a good deal on, alcohol, on, on drinks. And I said, no, nah. I said, hold it. I said, this guy's a preacher. And if <laughs> didn't tell him, this guy's a preacher. If he was to order a drink, there'd be a chute just open up right here, and he'd go to hell. And and so she didn't come back and ask us anymore if we wanted to want a drink. That's kind of sometimes the way we think, isn't it? So I I, I just want to I want to encourage you to. One, how shall we now live? Culture is changing. Just pursue every day. Say, God, help me to be salt and light. God, help me get it right in my own life. Uh, God, if, 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 I can, if I can continue working on me and not everybody else and, and, help, and, and you help me become the person I need to be, man, that, that, that would be great. I, I, I uh, remember years back, I'll close with this, but I was praying the thing was, I know it's on, on uh, uh, PTL and TBN back and forth back then, and had a, a friend of mine that was on all the time, and we were over at his house, he said, there's a story about Swaggart just getting ready to break, and he said, it's a big, big story. He told me what was going on. Uh, if you, so those of you that are not familiar, it doesn't really matter. But I, I, so I was out praying uh, a couple of nights later, and I was telling God, I, I don't know if he knew about Swaggart yet, and uh, so, <laughs> so I thought, man, God, this, this isn't right. And, uh, you know, I, man, I mean, I was, <clears throat> I was upset and kind of paused. 
And this still, small, booming voice said, Randy, if you work on you, that would be a full-time job. <laughs> I said, well, I'm finished with my little prayer time here. I just, you know, I think. Give yourself grace. Do everything you can. Love God. Love people. Be passionate. But we don't have to react to every, everything that comes along. I want to close in a word of prayer. I, I so appreciate this church. So appreciate you guys letting me come and letting my horses graze in your, your playground area there. So. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, that you're bigger than our tomorrow. You're bigger than our yesterday. You're, you're more than enough for right now. God, I pray for the one that's, that's uh, stumbled and tripped or it hasn't worked. I pray, God, that you would remind them that, that tomorrow's another day and today's another day. And God, I, I, I pray for all of us who can sometimes get very concerned, and I certainly am, about the course of this world. God, would you remind us that we're to humble ourselves, pray, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, and you'll take care of the land. Lord, would you, would you help us to stay focused on what we need to stay focused on? God, I pray that you would, would remind us that, that we're your hands of healing, you're, we're your hands of encouragement, for, we're your hands of redemption for a lost world. And God, remind us over and over again that we are in the process of becoming what we need to be every day. We haven't arrived yet. We're called to recognize that we're still a work in progress, and you're somehow, by your grace, using us as your hands extended. In God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray.